Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Good evening, Life Changes. Really amazing to be up here this evening. Don't you love the evening meeting? I love the evening. You guys are just cool. Give yourselves a high five. Say, I'm cool. Very good at that. Very, very good. Uh, I, um, I, re- I found out recently that the emoji that everyone thinks is prayer hands on uh, WhatsApp is actually a high five to yourself, which is amazing. So use that more often. You know, when you say something clever to someone, just send a high five to yourself with it, uh, which I think is, is super helpful. Like I said, my name is Tyler. Um, I will not keep you long this evening, I promise. Um, but uh, my name is Tyler. I've been on staff here at Life Changes for around seven years and four months-ish, something like that. Um, and been part of this church for 10 years, which is really, really amazing. I love Life Changes. I love the community. I'm going to explain the numbers on my arm in a moment. Um, everyone's like, did, did, does everyone get one? Um, but, but really want to say, firstly, if you're visiting Life Changes and you're going, I don't know if I want to get involved. Yeah, does. These people seem a little bit strange. Why are they reading articles on how to have more fun? What is going on here? Um, we are not too sure why that is happening. Um, but really want to say this is an incredible community. It has its, its flaws. It has its challenges. I know that because I'm part of it. Um, but really is an incredible place to get stuck into and, and give yourself to. So I just want to say that off the bat. Um, then to, to mention, I'm married to an incredible lady named Kate Lynn, who is at home at the moment um, cooking. No, I'm joking. She's not cooking. Um, she, she really isn't. She told me, eat at church. I'm relaxing this evening. Um, but this morning I wasn't at church because uh, my wife is an incredible swimmer. She's gotten me into swimming, and so we decided to do the Cape Mile. If you don't know what the Cape Mile is, it is in um, the Eichenhof Dam. It's a 1.6K swim around a bunch of um, boys in the middle of a dam, and, and my wife has done it. Um, no, they're boys. Um, that's what the announcer said many, many times. Um, and so they do it, they explain, they said, okay, we're going to do this swim. My wife has done it three or four times, so she knows what she's doing. And so my time was uh, 40 minutes and 28 seconds. Her time was 33 minutes and 26 seconds. And I attribute that to her being better than me. But, but, but just a, I thought it was a, a fascinating thing. I've never done open water swimming before. We've been training in the pool at the gym for a long time. I've done 1.6Ks in the pool at the gym. My Apple Watch tells me how many lengths I've done in the pool at the gym. But it's a very controlled environment. You have a, a pool. You have a wall you can kick off against. It's just it's wonderful. And so I'd, I was aiming for 37 minutes. But as I kind of went out, there are 300 people between the age of 21 and 30 who are standing around you in purple caps and speedos, and you all stand there, and you stand there for about 10 minutes waiting to start. It's terrible. You stand in an enormous crowd of people, and you know some of them just look like they're good at this. They just, you can see they are shredded, and they've got the, the thigh muscles and the calf muscles, and they, it's almost like they were born to be in the water, and you stand there, and you're like, this is terrible. This is terrible. And so I go, and, and I'm waiting 10 minutes, then the announcer announces five minutes. You're like, Goodness gracious me, this is taking forever. And eventually, the gun goes off, and it is ridiculous. They call it the washing machine because it's just hundreds of people starting to swim in a very, very small space. As I start swimming, I realize that actually this is not a pool, and so the water moves here, 
And as I went into the water, I sucked water into my mouth. I went, no, I mustn't swallow that. And then went, and and basically swallowed the water, couldn't breathe. So for the first 100 meters, I was going, for about 100 meters, but eventually got into it. Um, But it was a phenomenal experience. And so that's why I attribute my 40 minutes and not my 37-minute goal, because I couldn't breathe for the first 100 meters. Um, But really was a lot of fun. And if you've ever got a Sunday free on the 17th of February, go do the Cape Mile. Um, but we really had an amazing time, and actually as we, uh, I thought it apt preaching on into the deep and swimming for 1.6 k's in water where you cannot see anything, um, it really did feel like I was very deep. But actually this evening we are carrying on with a series called Into the Deep, and, and Into the Deep is not just a kind of, well, we, we decided on a series to preach. No, this is a, a statement that we are feeling God call us to in 2019. And uh, every year we have a Vision Sunday moment where we'll kind of, and, and, and many months before that of, of the leadership team asking God, well, what, what have you got for us this year? You see, we're not, we're not redesigning the vision. We're not going, hey, this is a new vision for church this year. We're, no, we're going, God, what have you got for us this year? And uh, we felt that it is into the deep. And so what we're doing in, in this series of preaching is we are taking into the deep and we're using it as a lens to look at our mission statements. And if you were wondering, what are their mission statements? We put them on the wall so that we don't forget. Um, and they're up there. Don't you want to say it with me? Reach far. Raise up. Release wide. No, can do better than that. Okay, let's try again. Reach far. Raise up. Release wide. I like it. You guys are getting better. Every week we're going to get better. But tonight we are focusing on a, the, the middle one, raise up. And, and what we mean when we say that is actually we want to raise people up in Christ. We want to reach those who are far from God and we want to raise them up in Christ. We, wanna, we want them to grow up in a relationship with Jesus. There's this analogy that Paul uses in the Bible. He says, stop, stop just eating spiritual milk, but no, start eating solids. Grow up. Learn who Christ is. Become more like Jesus. And, and so actually, fundamentally, this church is built on a mission statement of raising people up in Christ. And so what we're doing is we're saying we want to put a, 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 a into the deep lens over raise up. And that is actually what we're going to be doing this evening. And this statement of into the deep centers around a story in the Bible. It's in Luke 5. And what uh, it speaks about is it speaks about the moment when Jesus calls his first disciples. I um, mean, it's a phenomenal piece of scripture. And, and rather than simply telling the story, I'd love us to read the text together. It's a, an amazing story. Um, Luke 5 verse 1, it'll be on the screen behind me. It really is powerful. Let's, if you have your Bible, please take it out. If you have a notebook or a note app, take it out. We believe making notes is helpful. It helps us digest things. It helps us grow. It helps us learn. Verse five, uh, chapter 5, verse 1 goes like this. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. He sat down and taught the people from the boat. This is Jesus. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats 
so that they began to sink. That is how full of fish these boats were. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. He had a revelation in this moment of who Jesus was. You see, he's not just making a random statement. It wasn't common for people to fall down at people's knees in this day and make this statement. No, in this moment, Simon Peter realizes who Jesus is. And, I th- and it's actually, as we, as we look at this particular topic, it's such a key moment in the Scripture. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. You see, everybody around was astonished. Peter understood who Jesus was. It's a key difference in the moment. And, and so also were James and John, sons of Debedee, Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you tonight as we dig into your scriptures, God. I pray that you would speak to us, Father. I pray, Father, as we dive into this reality of into the deep, God, this truth that you have spoken to us as a church from your scriptures, I pray, God, that you would do a deep work in our hearts. I thank you, Father, that as we, as we dive into your scriptures, Father, we believe that the word of God transforms us from the inside out. And so as we explore your word, God, I pray for that transformation. And I pray, Father, that tonight you are going to teach us more of who you are, King Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. This amazing statement Mark said as he presented on Vision Sunday into the deep, he said this, there is danger in the deep, but the greatest catch is in the deepest water. It's this call to more. It's this, there's, there's danger, there's difficulty, there's challenge, there's all of these things in the deep. There were all of those things in this moment for these fishermen, but Jesus called them there. And what do we see? We see this phenomenal catch. You see, we don't believe that the Christian life is a, a set of rules, a certain number of church attendances to get to, a, a certain number of good deeds that you need to accomplish. I think so many people live with this reality that once I become a believer, once I commit my life to Christ, then there are a whole bunch of boxes that I need to tick. And unfortunately, we live in a world that has often taught that reality. That is taught that once you become a believer in Christ, you need to do a certain amount of things to tick the boxes of being a Christian. But actually, no, we don't believe that that is the Christian life. We believe that the Christian life is a constant pursuit of Christ. It is a constant pursuit of becoming more like Jesus. You know, when we make the statement, raise up, we are not saying actually grow up, get older, acquire more wealth, do more things. We're not saying that. We're saying become more like Christ. We're saying, give yourself to becoming more like Jesus. Secondly, I believe that um, being raised up is to go on a journey of becoming more like Christ in community. I don't believe that you can be raised up in Christ outside of community, outside of the body of believers, the church, the bride, the one which Jesus speaks so affectionately of, He desires that we would become more like Christ in this space, in community. You see, when I was 16 years old, I made a commitment to follow Jesus. And I remember that commitment to following Jesus was a, it might have been a little bit different to yours, but I went to a youth ministry. I started to see what these people were doing. Initially, I thought it was a bit strange. I didn't understand why they sang karaoke to a screen. 
But I began to experience Jesus. And slowly but surely, I started to make decisions and, and kind of go, well, oh, okay, I want to be part of this. I, I, feel, I feel so different here. This feels amazing. I love this. And, and so the first few months, even maybe the first year or two of my faith in Christ, were very experience-based. It was the sense of like, I, I love the way this feels. And you know, the reality is that Jesus does give us experiences of Him. He allows us to experience His presence, to experience His person, so that we can see who Jesus is. In this moment, Jesus has allowed Simon Peter an experience of His power. He said to Simon, he said, actually, can I teach out of your boat? A, a normal morning, Simon said, oh, yeah, sure, okay. And he gets in the boat, he teaches, and then he says to Simon, throw your nets out. This was completely contrary to the way that they fished. But throw your nets out, and all of a sudden, they have this enormous catch. It is this experience of Jesus. But then we, the, the reality is, if I had continued to outwork my faith in Christ based on what I was experiencing, I could have gone in a hundred different directions. The odds are I probably wouldn't be part of church anymore because potentially someone might offend me or, or I might not like the way that preacher says that thing. But no, yes, I began my journey through experience, but then I started to make decisions for Christ. Then I started to make decisions to push into the things that Jesus calls us to push into. You see, it's a, it's a very key thing because we have to transition from an experiential faith to a faith faith. A faith that says, okay, I am today going to believe your word, Jesus. Today I'm going to decide to press into you, Jesus, even though maybe I'm not experiencing you today. If you read the, the Psalms, you read these, these encounters where one moment David is experiencing God. And the next moment, he's making a decision to love God outside of an experience. And I think that is what we are called to as those who follow Jesus. And so as we read the story, I, I see two key things, two key ways that Peter responds in. And I'd love to have a look at those two key ways because I believe that they are very helpful for us today. And I believe that the Bible is as applicable today as it was 2,000 years ago. Because God has given us his word. And so the first thing we see that Peter does is he is obedient. Now it's a phenomenal moment because actually these guys have been working all night. They are tired. They've worked very hard and they've caught nothing. In theory what should have happened is they should have cleaned their nets. They should have packed the boats away and they should have gone to sleep because they had been working the whole night. But Jesus comes to him and he says to him, Peter... Take your boat out again and cast your nets on the other side. And I love Peter's response in this moment. It says, he says this, he says, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. Now for me, I would have gone, okay, Jesus, we didn't really catch anything. Do you really think it's a good idea? You know, kind of reasoned it out. Like, do you really think, but I don't know, maybe in the shallower water, it's a little bit easier but, but Peter's response in this moment is, well, Jesus, these are my reservations. These are my doubts. He does say that. But before he even gives Jesus an opportunity to respond, he says this, but at your word. How radical do you think the church would become if we became a people who responded, but at your word? But at your word, God, as I read your scripture, but at your word, I will obey. There's this radical moment of obedience. John 15, 4 says this, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. 
You see, Jesus is presenting, and, and John in the Scriptures is presenting this reality of God, that the reason we obey God is because of our deep affection and relationship with Him. We don't obey God because actually we have to. No, Jesus on the cross gave us an opportunity to have relationship with Christ. And so I choose to obey because I have a great love, and His name is Jesus. And I know that my obedience will please Him, and I know that my obedience will make me more like Christ. It will raise me up in Christ. I think uh, the reality is that, that obedience often is a, 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 a key issue of where our deepest affections are. You see, the challenge is when we struggle to be obedient, it's often because our affections lie elsewhere. Because our affections lie outside of Jesus. See, the Bible says that Jesus is the lover of our souls. It's this deep, intimate reality. And so because I love him, I choose to obey him. And the byproduct of my obedience is maturity. The byproduct of my obedience, the byproduct of my into the deep moment. You see, I believe that every moment that we choose to obey Christ is an into the deep moment. Every moment I choose to obey Jesus, I'm going, okay, I could stay in the shallows, but actually, Jesus, I'm stepping into the deep. Why? Because you are calling me to it and because I love you and because I know you will never let me down. You see, the obedience deals with, I believe, our heart. Because our heart is so easily entangled with nonsense. It so easily gets pulled one way or the other. I believe that when we are obedient, it trains the human heart. It trains the human heart to place its affections on Christ. Number one, it deals with our heart. And number two, it deals with our idols. I love as Lee spoke tonight, he said, it wasn't just enough for me to say God in that song. I had to say King. And you know, when, we, when you read the, the, the moments in Scripture where there's this kind of explanation on how to commit your life to Christ, it says, commit your life to Him as your God and your King. And I believe that that is an indicator of rulership in your life. I don't believe that we can be raised up in Christ unless we place Jesus on the throne of our lives. Unless we place Christ on the throne of our lives. There's this Amazing kind of parallel story in Matthew 19. It speaks about a, a rich young ruler. They don't give him a name. But it's this fascinating little story where this man comes to Jesus and he kind of says to him, well, what do I need to gain eternal life? And he says, well, you need to obey all of the commandments. And, and so the rich young ruler says, well, I do obey all the commandments. So, so tick on that box. And then Jesus makes this phenomenal statement. He says to him, if you wish to be complete... Go and sell your possessions and give them to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. So what's Jesus doing? He's probing at the idol of the man's heart. You see, in order for us to go into the deep, in order for us to go into what Christ has got for us, we have to deal with the idols of our heart. The man's response is this, but when the young man heard this statement, he went away grieving for he was one who owned much property. It's this moment you have these two characters. We have Peter, who in a moment, Jesus says to him, put your nets out into the deep. He does it. The next moment, Peter has the catch of a lifetime. Literally, that catch was a huge amount of money for Peter. It would have, I, I imagine, kept his family going for a very, very long time. And in that moment, Jesus gives him the catch of his life and then says, okay, leave it and follow me. I can imagine the conflict in that moment for Peter. It's just like, 
but can I, can I just put a couple of the fish in a few boxes and take them with? Just, it's, the fish, there's a lot of fish. The boats are sinking. Let's just take a few with. That, that would unfortunately, I believe, be the response of so many hearts. But no, Peter, in the moment where he gets all the wealth that he potentially desires, he becomes accomplished in his trade. He has a huge catch. He's a fisherman. In that moment, Jesus says to him, actually, come follow me. And because he, he sees who Christ is, he obeys immediately. On the flip side of the coin, we have this man, the rich young ruler, who is presented with exactly the same opportunity. Whenever Jesus made the statement, come follow me, he was calling those to be his disciples. Can you imagine that potentially this rich young ruler may have become one of Jesus' disciples? He may have seen the kingdom advance in radical and unbelievable ways. He may have seen the dead raised. He may have seen people healed. You never know what the story might have been if he chose in that moment to, to put his idol aside, put Jesus on the throne of his life, and step into the deep. But instead, he chose to keep the property that he had. And you know, we hear that story and we go, what a fool. Why would you make that decision? But I believe that in our becoming more like Christ's journey, we make that decision far more often than we realize. And I so desire in my life to make Christ king in every area. And like I said, it is a journey that we go on. We are sanctified. We become more like Christ as we go on this journey. But I believe that when we make decisions of obedience, God raises us up into new spaces and makes us more like Christ. I love this statement. Actually, as believers, we give up what we love for what he loves more. We give up what we love for what he loves more. There's this moment where Jesus is calling this rich young ruler. He says, actually, I know you love. I know you've worked hard for what you have. Even in Peter's case, he's speaking to him. He's saying, I know that you have worked hard for what you have, but I have so much more for you. And he says to him, leave that alone. Give up what you love. Because I have something far greater. And actually he calls him from a life of fishing to a life of fishing for men. To a life of being an apostle. One of the, the founding fathers of the church. This incredible journey. Because in a moment Peter chose obedience. And I think that is such a powerful thing. I believe that obedience leads to fruit. There's this, um, I had, we had the privilege of going away for two nights uh, with a, an incredible couple in our church, Brett and Shelley Anderson. And uh, if you know Brett and Shelley, you, you may have seen them, you may have chatted to them, an amazing couple. But actually, we've had the privilege as a, my wife and I of getting to know them really well. And, and we know some of their story. We know some of the big obedience decisions that they have had to make. We know some of the big obedience decisions that they are having to make right now in their lives. And and every time I, I connect with Brett, I have conversations around different realities and different scenarios, and I just see a man who constantly chooses to obey Christ as much as he can. And firstly, it inspires me, and secondly, we were, I was upstairs working on the sermon actually, and my wife was busy reading, and we were upstairs in this house, and, and downstairs were Brett and Shelley, and I just constantly, they were at the dining room table, just, they were giggling and laughing, and, and I walked downstairs, and there they are playing this card game together. And you're going, they've been married for 15 plus years, and they are sitting at a table having the time of their life with a couple of cards that they found. And you know what, something in me went, that is incredible. 
their marriage is showing fruit, is showing life. When I walk down, I'm inspired by their marriage, but I believe that the fruit that they are experiencing is because of the obedience journey that they have chosen to go on. And you know, so many believers go, why is there no fruit in my life? Well, sir or ma'am, I would probably say because there is no obedience in your life. And sometimes it takes a little bit longer than you think. Sometimes it's a little bit more difficult than you think. But when Jesus promises us something in his word, it will come to fruition. It was just a really inspiring moment for me. And, and uh, this question, which uh, we were speaking a little bit about as a team in pre- preparation for this series. And this question that just struck me, it's this question, what is your following distance? And you know, we as, a, we as a people in our age, we create following distances for ourselves. You know, celebrities, social media, we, we follow at the distance that we choose. So, oh, I like that guy, but actually I'm going to follow him at a very far distance, and I, I just want to see what he does. You know, I just want to see how he acts. Uh, I want to see uh, social media. We go, I'll follow you, but actually if you do something I don't like, we just we live in that unfollow world. It's like I can exclude someone from my life by tapping a button on my phone. That is the generation that we live in. And I would ask you this evening, well, what is your following distance from Christ? You see, in the story, we read about a crowd and we read about Peter. We read about a crowd of people that that came and went, if you read about Jesus' ministry. They came and they listened and they left. And they came and they listened and they left. And, And effectively what they did was they kept a very long following distance. They almost looked at it and go, well, actually, as long as you're saying what I like, then I'll be there, but actually as soon as I I don't like what you're saying, I'll step away. As soon as Jesus called them to more, they ran away. As soon as Jesus called the rich young ruler to more, he ran away. His following distance was too far. And so this evening I would ask you, well, what is your following distance? The challenge is for us as as people in a a very self-sufficient world, we are very, very self-sufficient in our world today. We can so easily create an island for ourselves and follow everything at a distance. Yeah, I want to get involved in community, but as soon as that guy offends me, I'm out. Why? Because my following distance is very far. I want to say to you that it would be very difficult for me to step out of this community. And you say, well, why is that? No, not just because I get paid, but... but but actually, I am, I am entrenched in this community. If I just one day decided, oh, I'm irritated, I'm going to leave, I promise you it would not be that easy for me. Because there are people here who love me because I have chosen to give myself to community. I've made my following distance very, very short. And so there is a call in the scriptures to make your following distance shorter. Firstly, to Christ, and secondly, to community. You see, we want to grow up. We want to become more like Christ, but, but we've got to deal with that following distance reality. We've got to step a little bit closer. So I know so many people who kind of come to church and they'll sit and they'll listen. and They go, oh, that's cool. And they'll go about their weeks and they are missing out on the so much more. They are missing out on the deep that Jesus has for them. Why? Because I'm just keeping my distance for now. This is the famous statement that everybody who's keeping a far following distance uses. I'm just checking it out. I'm just checking it out. And for 10 years of their life, they spend checking out God and checking out church. And Jesus, I would imagine, is going there and going, just follow me. I have so much for you, but I'm just checking it out. And the reason I say these things is because I trust that it would challenge you to the more that Christ has for you. 
Firstly, we see a man who is incredibly obedient. And secondly, we see a man who is filled with faith. And I believe that when we take steps of obedience, when we, and obedience very simply is, is, is hearing God's word and obeying it and doing it in your life. It's not this kind of ethereal thing of how do I do obedience? No, it's reading the word of God and going, I'm going to apply this to my life. I think there are some scriptures in the Bible that we can spend our whole lives applying. Some of them a little bit simpler. You go, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to apply that now. But actually God wants to, us to apply his word into our lives. And when we do that, he wants us to mix it with faith. I love this moment, and I mentioned it earlier, but uh, the statement in verse 8, it says, but when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees. It's this moment where he went from observing a miracle to, to putting his faith in Christ because of that miracle. And you see, I believe that God orchestrates moments in our lives. He does miracles in our lives, not so we can be wowed by miracles, but so that we can come to know him. So that we can fall at his feet and go, Jesus, I have faith in you. There's another story in the scriptures also about Peter. And it's a moment where Jesus, and many of you may have heard of it before, but where Jesus calls Peter to walk on the water. And he says firstly to Peter, come. And so Peter obeys Jesus. He steps off the boat and onto the water. But there is not only an obedience element, there is a faith element. Because not only is he obeying Christ, he is believing what Christ is saying. And so in our lives, I believe to be raised up, we need to mix our obedience with faith in Jesus. You see, God is much bigger than you could ever imagine. And I believe that God wants to take us on an into the deep journey as a church and as individuals. But in order to go on that journey, we have to go, okay, Jesus, I'm going to obey your word and I'm going to believe you are who you say you are. Because when I believe you are who you say you are, I walk into the so much more that you have for me. And so the challenge is sometimes we can, and actually obedience without faith, we swing to this legalism reality. It's this dead, dead kind of reality. And faith without this obedience reality becomes this licentious, I believe God, but I'm never living like Jesus. But actually when we bring those two things together, we see God's work in our lives. And so this evening, I would, I would charge you, well, I believe that every person in this room wants an into the deep journey. Well, what element do you have to lean into? Like I said earlier, it's not ticking boxes. It's not doing more. It's leaning into Jesus. You know, when I am lacking obedience in an area, I don't try and beat myself to do it better. I go, Jesus, help me do this. I go, Jesus, help me be obedient in this area. You see, that is what is so phenomenal about the gospel is he calls us to it and then he empowers us to do it. I think so many people go, okay, I've got to do this. I must do it in my own strength. No, it's very simply, okay, God, I need to obey you in this area. Help me obey you in this area, Jesus. Draw me near, God. And all of a sudden, we begin to see the life of God pour out in our lives. We are raised up in Christ when we respond in obedience with faith. You see, I think... Um, I love the evening congregation for a couple of different reasons. Firstly, you guys are really cool. And secondly, it's just, it's got a cool atmosphere. I don't know if you've ever walked into the evening meeting. It's, it's relaxed. Everyone's hanging out, having a good time. Jerry's got slops on and a long shirt, and he looks like he may or may not have been at the beach. You know, it's just, it's just, it's a, it really is a very relaxed environment. 
And the challenge with that is, is it can so quickly become a complacent environment in our lives when we are relaxed. You know, we start to enjoy the space. We go, this is really nice. I really like this. And as long as it's relaxed and I enjoy it, I'll continue to push into it. And then when that element maybe isn't there, no, I'm not going to do this anymore. But actually as a congregation, I believe Jesus is calling us to step into the more that he has for us. You know, I was so wowed by, um, we put up a couple of statistics about the church and different areas and victories. And one of those statistics was serving. And I was just going, you know, I want to see more people in the evening meeting serving. I want to see more people serving, not because we need more people to serve. No, because serving helps us become more like Christ. And every person I know who has chosen to step into a serving capacity has grown. I love my mate Gerard who lives with us. He, I, said to him, uh, I said to him, you literally serve every Sunday. Because he does. He's either doing coffee, lighting, or he's helping put up a banner, or he's at Milnerton doing setup. And he said these amazing words to me just before we came here. He said to me, I love it, Tyler. It's an absolute privilege. For me, I kind of go, well, oh, okay, I've got, I've got to get up. I've got a six o'clock church set up, put a coffee machine out. Whew. And this man is sitting in front of me going, what a privilege to serve Jesus. And you know what I've seen in his life since he started to serve? God has grown him. God has put more in him. I've literally watched before my eyes this man grow into more and more of Christ. And so this evening you might be going, well, I really like the relaxed atmosphere. I don't feel like carrying a coffee machine. Well, sir or ma'am, I would say to you that a simple step of service will see you grow and become more like Christ. You might be going, well, you know this Bible thing. I don't really get this Bible. Well, why don't you come to Bible college tomorrow night? You know, we, we kind of hear these statements by church leaders and we go, they're just trying to fill seats. I promise you we're not. We, are t- we desire for people to become more like Jesus. On Sunday night, uh, Monday night after Bible college last week, Gabe sent me a voice note. And just as he spoke, I expected him to make the statement, wow, amazing to see this many people at, at things. You expect these. And actually his statement to me was, Tyler, I'm loving Bible college because I, feel, I can see how it is growing our people in Christ. You know, for me, that, that puts faith in my heart because I go, well, our leader's desire is to see people grow. We don't want to fill seats. We want to see your relationship with Jesus grow. And so tonight I would ask you, what is your growth step? What is your raise up step? I love how actually as people take steps of obedience, they grow. As people mix faith with that obedience, they see the life of Christ break in. How's this for a big one? Maybe, maybe you've never given financially before. That's a big one for people. They go, you can ask me to carry a coffee machine, but don't ask me to give financially. And actually, I'm not going to comment on anybody's financial world, but what I am going to say tonight is that there was a period in my life where I stopped giving to the church. I was earning a salary. I was under a little bit of pressure. I was like, I don't know where this money is going to come from. And for probably four or five months, I was under this pressure financially. How am I going to pay my rent? How am I going to do that stuff? I just felt God saying to me, start tithing again. I was like, I can't tithe. I don't have the money. And I just decided in that moment to take 10% of my salary and start tithing. Can I tell you, my financial situation didn't get easier. Actually, for all intents and purposes, was more difficult. But actually, I felt the freedom of God come. I felt the freedom of Christ in the area of finances. Rather than going to bed every night and worrying about money, there was freedom in my life. And as that freedom came, as I obeyed Christ in that area, I saw the life of God start to flow in my finances. 
That is what happens when we obey. You see, the church doesn't call you to serve because we need people to serve. We call you to serve because we know that God will do incredible things in you. We call you to give because we know that God will do things through that in your life. We call you to pray and fast. Why? Not because we want to fill up an auditorium, but because we want to see the life of God pour into your life. I love how many people in this room, probably 150, 200 people of three nights of a fast praying and pushing into God. My mate Kurt, who works ridiculous hours, ridiculous, it's actually ridiculous, go ask him, it's ridiculous. And actually every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday night, I see Kurt standing there worshiping God. And you know what that does for me? That goes, that man has caught God. And I believe that God is going to do radical things through that life. Why? Because he chose to obey in that area. I believe that God is calling us to a raise up into the deep journey. And my question very simply tonight is, will you respond? Can I pray for us? Actually, can I ask you to stand as we pray? Just because I've been standing for half an hour, so I think it'd be good if we stood. Um, Father, as we have heard your word, as we uh, go on this journey of, of, of encountering Luke 5, of being challenged by Luke 5, Father, I pray that you would start to do a work in our hearts, God. I pray tonight, Jesus, that you would show people deep within the power of obedience to you, Jesus. I thank you, Father, that tonight you are going to take people on a growth journey, Father. I thank you that every single person in this room tonight, God, is going to take a step toward growing in you, Christ. Take a step toward becoming more like Christ. Father, I pray tonight you would shake up complacency in our hearts, Father. Where we've gotten comfortable, where we've gotten relaxed, God, I pray that you would start to shake that up in us, Father. I thank you that, that the same way that, that we stretch ourselves in, in many different areas in terms of time and work and all of these things, God, I pray that we would begin to stretch ourselves in obedience to you, Father. I thank you, God, that tonight you would put faith in our hearts to obey you, Jesus. And Father, at a very practical level, God, I pray that you would speak to people in this room about what their next growth step is, Father. And I pray, God, that they would take that step with faith, Jesus, to see you do incredible things, God. I believe, Jesus, that more than anything, God, is when we obey you, Father, your life flows, Jesus. And so I pray for the life of God to flow in every single life in this room. Amen.